Good morning, church. It's a joy to be able to worship the Lord together this morning. Last week, Pastor Ken preached on the first three verses of John chapter 1, and he emphasized the truth that the Word was in the beginning. We were reminded that Jesus is the Word, that the Word is God, that the Word is eternal, and that the Word is Creator. And these are great truths for us to be reminded of and meditate on in this Advent season. It's essential for us to remind ourselves of exactly who was that baby who lay in a manger over 2,000 years ago, and why was he born? We must never outgrow our need of being reminded core biblical truths, most especially the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God. And this morning, we're going to continue our Advent series uh, through the first, uh, through uh, verses four through nine of John chapter one. I'm going to read uh, beginning in verse one and, and go to verse 11 just for some context, uh, but we're going to mainly focus on verses four through nine. So let's go to the Word together, church. This is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is the word of the Lord, church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us and that your word, the words that we hold in our hands, reveal to us the word of God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we celebrate this season, that you, the Lord, the eternal God, the creator God, stepped into time and space and took on human flesh so that you would bear our sins Rescue us from death. Reunite us back to yourself through faith and his work and his work alone. Oh God, we thank you for these glorious truths. May you warm our hearts as we hear these, as we're reminded of these truths as we unpack your word this morning. Would you stir us up to love you, to bring honor to you, And Lord, also, would you work in the hearts of those that don't yet know you by faith, who have not believed and and repented of their sin, God, would you help them to see that Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And Lord, would you grant them faith and repentance this morning for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's two different people in these uh, verses, two different characters. One is the light, and one is John the Baptist. 
So let's take a brief look, first of all, at, at the ministry of John the Baptist, and uh, before we spend the, the vast majority of our time looking at the light. So first of all, John the Baptist bore witness about the light. We see this in verses 6 through 8. John the Baptist bore witness about the light. John's ministry was a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, if you look back at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is prophecy foretelling of, of John the Baptist, of what he would come before Jesus would come. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5 say this, "'Comfort, comfort, my people,' says your God. "'Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God.'" Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the passage that, uh, uh, from Isaiah that is quoted in John 1, 23. If you look down at verse 23 of John chapter 1, it says, He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John is saying, I am the one who is in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And the the Lord prophesied this uh, through Isaiah hundreds of years before this even happened. And John was, was appointed by God even before the foundation of the world to, to be the one, the forerunner of the, the glory of the Lord being revealed through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. John's role was to preach and to call the Israelites to repentance, to turn from their sin and turn to the Lord. And he was preparing the way for the Lord to come. He was preparing the way for the glory of the Lord. Yahweh is, is the, the all caps in Isaiah chapter 40. Yahweh to be revealed. And who was that? Look at verse 14 of John 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is the glory of the Lord that is revealed. It is through the Son, Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist was preparing the way in the wilderness, calling people to repentance, baptizing them, preparing the way for the Son of God, the Lamb of God, to come and uh, reveal his glory. And Pastor Ken will cover this verse in a few weeks, but uh, just to want to point out the idea that, that, J- that John the Baptist's role was to prepare the way for the glory of the Lord to be revealed through the word of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And this brings us to our second point, in which we'll spend the vast majority of our time together. The word is the light of the world. The word is the light of the world. This is who John uh, came to bear testimony about the word, the light of the world. In these verses, uh, in verses 4 and 5 and, and verse 9, uh, these, these verses describe three different aspects of what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. And first of all, the word is the source of life. The word is the source of life. Look back at verse 4. It says, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men." Ken did a great job last week of unpacking the fact that the word is eternal. 
Jesus is eternal, and he is also creator. He has always existed outside of time with the Father and with the Spirit, uh, existing eternally. Before creation, Jesus was. And on the first day of creation, the triune God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Because Jesus is himself, and he uh, is, is the life himself, and he has eternally existed, he alone is the source behind created life. He is the maker of the light, and he is the maker of the rest of creation as well. And he also made us. He made mankind in his own image. He made us to worship him, to know him. He not only gave us breath in our lungs to have have physical life, but he made us to know him, to enjoy him, to relate to him. That is why we were made. He made us and the rest of his creation to display his glory. And he especially made us, mankind, to know and enjoy him, to worship him, to relate to him. But as we know, due to our sin, we have rebelled against God and we are separated from God. And we are unable to have this relationship with him because we are under his judgment, his righteous judgment. However, our gracious God has not forsaken us. During the Advent season, we celebrate the the fact that the creator became a man. The creator took on flesh. He entered into his created world. He dwelt among us. He put up his tent with us. The eternal God stepped into time and space, and he did that so that we might have life in him, that we might be able to do what we were originally created to do, to have relationship with the Lord, to worship him, to know him and enjoy him. Given the context of the prologue of of John, the terms light and life do certainly refer to creation itself um, and not just salvation. But as you look at the larger context of of the gospel of John, the, the, the terms life and light are a reference to salvation or are a reference to spiritual life. John eleven twenty five and 26, which is, which is in the context of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus speaking. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So he is talking about a spiritual life here. He is talking about salvation. That salvation, this spiritual life comes through Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So again, this is talking about a spiritual salvation, not just creation itself, but a spiritual life. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So spiritual life is found in Jesus Christ alone. We also see the the fact that Jesus is the bread of life in John 6, and he's the light of life in John 8, and he supplies the living water in John chapter 4. So these, all these references are, are, are pointing to our spiritual salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone. We all look to something to satisfy us and to save us, right? We all, we all look to something for hope and peace and comfort. We're all longing for life. It's deep down in us, whether we realize it or not. We're looking for this life. And so 
what are you finding your, your life, your hope in, in this Christmas season? What are the things that are competing for uh, you putting all of your hope in the Lord alone as your, as your life? And this is not only for non-believers, uh, but even believers. We can be tempted to put our hope in things of this world, to, to find life, to find joy in the things of the world rather than the Lord. Perhaps it's the gifts that you receive or that you hope to receive. Or maybe it's in the traditions that you may or may not have. Maybe it's in family or friends. And these are certainly things that, that are gifts from God that are to be enjoyed. Uh, but if we are, to, we, we are not to make them ultimate, they're not to become idols of our lives. They're not to be God, lowercase g gods that, that we worship, right? These things are not ultimate. They are gifts to be enjoyed, but they don't provide true hope, true joy, and true life. We know that true life, true hope, true peace comes through Jesus alone. The Advent season is a celebration of the reality that the only, the only true source of life is through the Word of God, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who came on a rescue mission and was born of the Virgin and who lay in a manger and who would eventually grow up and mature and die on the cross in our place. So the first way that Jesus, being the light, manifests itself is in the truth that he is the source of life. He is the creator, but he is also the one who is the redeemer. He is the only source of life. He has eternally existed, and he is the one who created all things. The second aspect of the word being the light is that he is morally pure. The word is morally pure. Light and darkness are used throughout Scripture as references of good and evil, righteous and unrighteous. In fact, John, one of the 12 disciples who's the author of this gospel, he also wrote 1st through 3rd John as well. And he says this in 1st John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him, in God, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie we do not, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's a clear distinction between light and dark. It is black and white, pun intended. It's black and white. There's, there's good and there's evil. There's righteous, there's unrighteous. Darkness is when one walks in sinful opposition, rebellion against God. And light is when one walks in joyful obedience to God. In these verses, we also see the reality that there is no darkness, no sin in God at all. There is not even one iota of, uh, of sin or blemish in the Lord, not even in the slightest. The Lord is holy. He is holy, 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 and there is no imperfection in him whatsoever. As we consider the, the significance of this truth in the Advent season, we're reminded that the baby that lay in a manger was absolutely fully man, but he was also fully God. He was truly man and truly God. And because Jesus is truly God, he has no darkness in him whatsoever. He has no sin, no blemish at all. He is perfect. Although the creator entered into his creation, he remained perfect. He was tempted in every way, but yet he was without sin. The truth that Jesus was born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit 
are bedrock truths that we must hold fast to and believe as the people of God. As we say often during the Advent season, we must consider the manger with the backdrop of the cross. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of what he came to accomplish for his people. And his divinity and his holiness are absolutely essential truths to his redemption plan. If he is not truly God, if he is not perfect, then his sacrifice was insufficient for us. But praise be to God, church, that his, his sacrifice was sufficient because he is fully God. He is fully man. He was perfect. There was no blemish in him whatsoever. He was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the light of the world where there's no darkness in him whatsoever. And this leads us right into the third aspect of the word being the light. The word defeated sin. The word defeated sin. Let's look back at verses 5 and 9. This is verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Go down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So Jesus is the true light that was sent into the world by the Father. Jesus is the true and ultimate revelation of God to mankind. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. When we see Jesus, we see God. And he became a man to wage war on darkness. He entered into the world to save sinful mankind. He entered into this creation so that he would redeem us, that he would defeat the darkness. The term world used in verse 9 and also verses 10 through 11, which Pastor Ken will get to next week, uh, is often used in the Gospel of John as a negative comment of, about how sinful the world is, how sinful mankind is in, in this created order. And, and at times it is a reference to a neutral reference to the cosmos, just the general creation of, of God, but, I, but the, the connotation here seems to be a negative a reference to the sinfulness of mankind. God's love for the world is, is represented and displayed in the fact that he pours out his love on us even though you and I are sinners. Even though we are wicked, he still pursues us. He still comes and he lays down his life for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were undeserving, ungodly, running away from God, and yet he ran towards us. He entered into this dark world to rescue us, to bring us into the light. Although evil is mounting warfare on good, it cannot overcome it. The light wins out because the, the God-man, the light of the world, came, and he came to defeat the darkness. The Greek word in verse 9 for overcome literally means to seize or to grasp. To seize or to grasp. Sin was not able to seize the Lord. Darkness couldn't overtake the Lord, the light of the world. The light of the world is unbeatable. He's unstoppable, and nothing can overtake him. Jesus came to the earth to fight and win the battle over evil. He was born to die. It's the paradox of the cross, right? He, he, he waged war, and he won victory by dying. He won the victory by dying for us. It doesn't make sense. It's a paradox, but that's what he did. In Jesus' death, he, he endured the wrath of God that we deserved as the people who rebelled against God. He made payment for sinners like us. 
And just before Jesus took his final breath, he said, it is finished. It is finished, meaning that he had paid in full the, the payment that we deserve because of our sin. And he was buried in the tomb, but he didn't, he didn't remain there. On the third day, he rose victoriously, defeating sin and death once and for all. So he paid for our sins. He defeated Satan. He defeated the darkness, and he rose from the grave. He defeated death, the ultimate, the, the ultimate enemy, right? He defeated death and sin. Verse 9 states that the true light, Jesus, gives light to everyone. So what, is, what does this mean? There's some debate as, to, as far as what exactly this means, that he gave his light to everyone, or he's the light to everyone. I think the best interpretation of this is the fact that he is the only true light. He is the only true light, yet not everybody will recognize that. Not everybody will be, come to believe that. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. This is a, a truth. This is a reality that is undeniable, unquestionable, whether somebody realizes it or not. This is an unchanging reality. This is the truth that Jesus is the light of the world. Augustine used an illustration uh, to describe this point. He said, it's like a town that only has one teacher, and though not all the citizens are, 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 class, are students of the teacher, he is the only teacher, he's the teacher of everyone because he's the only teacher of the town. And so too is Jesus the light of the world, whether everybody accepts that or not. It is a, a, a reality that is unquestionable, undeniable, yet not everybody will come to submit to that. So Jesus is the true light of the world, whether one accepts that or not. And this leads us into our first application. First, receive a life from the light. Receive life from the light. We're all blinded by the darkness of this world. We all, we all are blinded by the evil of the world. Our sin prevents us from seeing the truth that we are separated from a holy God and under his judgment. John chapter 9 tells the account of the blind man being healed. This man was born, born blind, and Jesus healed him to display his glory, to display his power. He spat dirt into the dirt, and he, he rubbed it in his hands, and he put this mud on, on this guy's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool, and he was healed. He was blind, and now he could see. There was nothing special about the pool or special about the, the spit, Jesus' spit uh, or the, the dirt. It was the one behind it, right? It was, it was the light of the world, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who healed him. He was the one who was the power behind this healing. He was the one who opened the, the eyes of the blind man. So Jesus is, is the one with the power to uh, unveil our, our blinders so that we would see the light. Light, just thinking about uh, light uh, as we use it, light, light helps us to, to see, right? Uh, when we wake up in the morning and it's still dark outside, what's the first thing we do? When we walk into the kitchen to, to make breakfast or to uh, grab some coffee, we turn on the light, right? It exposes our surroundings so that we don't trip over something or, uh, or we don't run into something, right? It exposes the surroundings around us. It's, it's a good and helpful thing. 
Light is something that is helpful and necessary for us to function. And not only is the light helpful functionally, but light is necessary for life. It is something that we absolutely need for life to exist as we know it on this earth. So life is, is, is helpful, but it's also essential for life. And so too is it essential for salvation, through, for spiritual life. And the light of the world entered into the world so that he might overcome darkness for us to provide the way for life. And the first step in receiving life from the light is to allow, allow light to shine on our darkness, to allow light to shine on our sin. You must recognize how ugly, how sinful your rebellion against God is. We need our darkness to be uncovered so that we could be brought into the light and and brought uh, to faith in the Lord. When our sin is uncovered and others see it, it can bring, it does bring about shame, right? Right? So the temptation can be to run, to hide, to to not let God reveal this sin, to not let others see the sin in our lives because it brings shame. I think about our kids when, when they do something wrong. What do they do? They run away and they try to hide, right? And that's what we do as well. We just try to try to conceal that a little bit more. We don't try to be as obvious about it. But we too run and hide. We don't want our sin to be uncovered. We don't want the shame of our sin being exposed. So friend, are you running from the light? Are you hiding in the darkness? Are you hiding your sin, concealing it because you love your sin and, or maybe you, don't, you can't bear the shame that would come if your sin were, were unveiled, if it were brought into the light? Are you running and hiding from the Lord? Are you afraid of your sin being exposed? I understand and can relate to that natural tendency. We all naturally are inclined to want to hide and to run. However, it is good. It is good when our sin is exposed. Again, going back to my children, it's good that the sin of my children are exposed and I can address that with them. When they're caught in sin, I can help them to learn their lesson, right? I can help to, to teach them what was wrong about what they did. I can help correct lovingly what they did and help them to, to learn the right thing. And so if you're a parent, you have kids, you want their sin to come into the light, right? You want to know about what is going on in their life so, and how they're walking in disobedience so that you can address it, so that you can help them walk in joyful obedience, you don't want their sin to remain in the dark, even though they may want that. You want to, it to be exposed so that you can walk alongside them and encourage them and help them. You want to help them to mature and to grow as human beings. And brothers and sisters, so too is it good for us to, to have our sin uncovered. And friend, if you're here and you're not a believer, see the goodness of your sin being exposed being uncovered, being brought into the light so that, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could see your need for a Savior, so that you can grow in holiness at, upon profession of faith. Although the uncovering of sin does bring shame, 
there's good news. Jesus, the light of the world, he came to bear our shame. So friend, again, if you're running and you're hiding from the Lord, maybe you're, you're ashamed of your sin being uncovered, being revealed by the light, then I want to encourage you with the, the reality that Jesus, the Son of God, bore your shame on the cross. We don't have to have be ashamed anymore because Jesus took the shame for us. And so if, if you have not believed in Jesus, don't run and hide anymore. Don't try to hide in the darkness. Let your sin be exposed and then run and cling to the cross because Jesus loved you so much that he would shed his own blood, that he would bear your sin and your shame and your death on the cross so that you might have life, that you would have forgiveness, that you wouldn't have to bear that shame any longer. That is the good news of the gospel. So friend, I, I urge you, turn from your sin, let it be uncovered, let it be revealed, and then run to the light. Run to the cross and be saved. Repent of your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus. And perhaps you are considering making that decision even today, then talk with the person that brought you today. Talk with your parent, talk with me, talk with others who have been on the stage. And we would love to, to walk alongside you and, and encourage you as you consider turning from the darkness and, and walking in the light through faith in the Lord Jesus. Our second application is to, to walk in the light. So I read 1 John 1, 5-7 earlier, which was talking about walking in the light. And, and that's what believers are called to do. We are called to, uh, to not walk in the darkness, but to walk in the light. And so fellow brothers and sisters, uh, one aspect of this, uh, I would just encourage you to, to reflect and, and praise God for how he's grown you in holiness over the years, how he's grown you and helping you walk in the light from one day or one month or one year to the next. So as you continue through this season of Advent, brothers and sisters, thank the Lord for not only sending his son to justify you, to declare you innocent of your sin, but also praise God that he sent Jesus to sanctify you, to make you more holy, to help you to walk in the light. So we, we should rejoice and reflect back on how God has graciously grown us over the years, how he has helped us to walk in the light. I think it's important for us to remember those, those ways that he's grown us, those sharp edges that he's rounded out over the years to encourage us, to, to remind us of where we were and now where we've gotten to, to help us to continue on to walk in the light. Because at the same time, uh, the Lord has done a great work in our lives. He also has more work to do in us, right? There's more sharp edges to be rounded off. And we, we need the Lord to sanctify us. And this process of sanctification doesn't end until we are glorified, until we are in the presence of the Lord. It is a lifelong process until we take our final breath or the Lord returns. So, Reflect on the great love of Christ, how he condescended to this earth for a sinner like you and the great cost that he paid on the cross for you. And may that compel you to grow in holiness, to walk in the light. Consider the ways in which you're walking in the darkness 
You're tempted to, to stray from God's plan and to walk in the light. <coughs> this also ought to shape the way that we relate to one another as the body of Christ. When we're sinned against, uh, when we're offended, when we're hurt by what something somebody says or what somebody does or what somebody doesn't do, then we, we can bear with one another in patience, right? We can bear with one another in love because we know that we're all on this spectrum of growing in holiness in different areas of our lives. We all have room to grow. The Lord has been gracious to grow us all, and we praise him for that, but yet we also have room to grow, to continue to walk in the light. And we're a whole bunch of sinners, right, in, in the body of Christ, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, we're gonna hurt other people. We're not going to meet expectations at times. And we need to bear with one another in love. We need to be, to, to be kind and, and gracious, knowing that the Lord is at work in both, both of us, or all of us. And so we, we, must, we must have a humility, knowing that we, uh, we need to grow, uh, and, and others also need to grow as well. And the church, the body of Christ, are one of the means by which God has orchestrated for us to grow in holiness, to walk in the light, to help one another to, to grow in holiness. And so, church, as you're offended, as you're hurt, as you're sinned against by even people in this room, which we do it, then bear with one another in love. Be gracious and humble, knowing that we have room to grow and also one another. The other people have room to grow as well. And don't run and hide, right? Don't run and hide when those things happen. When we are hurt, when we are offended, when, when things aren't going well, pursue one another, right? Run towards one another. Run towards the cross. Run towards one another, the people of God, because we need one another. And we need to bear with one another in love and in patience and in humility. So walk in the light. The third application is to shine your light. Jesus is the light of the world, but he also calls his church, the people of God, the light of the world as well. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this, you are the light of the world. Talking about the people of God, his followers. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. So God's people, we, the church, are the light of the world. Now that we have been saved by the true light, we now carry the light. We shine the light to those around us all the way to the ends of the earth. It is our job to display to the world how great the Lord is by the way in which we live by, by how we walk in the light, walk in holiness, but also in the way that we declare the gospel as well. How many of you enjoy the, the tradition, have a tradition in your family of, of going around and, and looking at Christmas lights at some point during the Christmas season? Or maybe just enjoy looking at the lights as you drive home from, from work or just as you're about at night? Uh, that's something that we, we do as a family. Uh, we, we enjoy going out and seeing the lights. The kids love it. Um, they they had, a, had a great time. We went the other night and looked at some lights, and uh, it, it was a blast. 
Um, but, but imagine as you're, as you're driving around a neighborhood and you see this beautifully decorated home for Christmas, all these decorations, uh, there's wreaths and red bows on, on every window, they've got candles uh, in, the, in the windows, they've, uh, they've got bushes on all the, the bu- uh, lights on all the bushes and all the trees, uh, maybe they've got some, some fun and creative uh, decorations, maybe uh, some blow-ups, um, uh, wh- whatever it might be, whatever the, your favorite Christmas decorations are on a house, uh, just imagine that. And then imagine that there's, there's these spotlights that, that are at the front of the yard, right? And they're not facing towards you, right? What are they facing towards? They're facing towards the house, this beautifully decorated home with all these decorations. And the, the point of that spotlight is to illuminate the house, right? To display the, the beauty of this, this, uh, this decorated house. And, and that's the, the same way that we are to be the light of the world as well, right? We are the, the, we are the spotlights that are pointing towards the house. We are the spotlights that are pointing to the true light of the world to show how beautiful, how grand, how glorious God is. That is our job. Our job is to not be the main focus. We're not the house, the decorated house. We are the spotlight that is pointing towards the house that is magnifying the glory of God. And so church, that is our role as the body of Christ. We are to display the glory of God. We are to point others to the Lord. We are to let our light shine so that others would see the glory of God in heaven, our Father in heaven. He is the one who is deserving and worthy of all glory, all praise, all honor. So how might we practically do that? And maybe even specifically thinking about this Advent season, How might you be the light of the world as the people of God? Maybe it's just serving your neighbors in some way. You you see a need that they have, and you seek to meet it. Or maybe you just want to, you love to bake, you bake them some cookies. Or maybe you love hot chocolate, and you you make hot chocolate, and you invite friends over, and you you tell the Christmas story, or whatever it might be. Whatever it might be for your specific context uh, in your neighborhood, seek to engage your neighbors in some way. Maybe it's just giving a thoughtful gift to a coworker or a friend, uh, giving them a, 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 a gift that you know that would be meaningful to them, that would encourage them and show that you love them. Maybe it's just asking questions like, hey, what, what, are your, what, are your, what does your family do as, uh, as a family at Christmas? Like, how, how do you all celebrate Christmas? Um, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you celebrate it the way that you do? Get to know them. Get to know their traditions. Get to know their family. Get to know their context. And then maybe as, as they share, maybe there's an opportunity for you to share, well, this is, this is what my family does. This is, this is how we celebrate Christmas. And we do it because of this. We, we, we celebrate Christmas ultimately because we're celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. Perhaps there's an opportunity to invite a friend uh, to one of our worship gatherings or maybe our Christmas Eve candlelight service in a few weeks. Whatever it may be, look for opportunities to, to be the light Maybe this is an opportunity to talk with your base group uh, this evening, how, how you individually can be the light uh, in your own context, but also maybe even together as a group to, to live on mission, to be the light together. Because when we can get the people of God together, serving others together, they see our love for one another. They see how great our God is. They see how great his love is as well, because they see how it has united us together and it, how it has united us to serve others. <coughs> and that helps 
others to see the glory of Christ. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so we are the light. We are to shine the light. And then lastly, the fourth application. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are to wait expectantly for the second coming of the light. We are to wait expectantly for the second coming of the light. <clears throat> there will be a second advent of the light of the world. <clears throat> and when he comes for a second and final time, he will make all things right. Those who have repented of their sins and placed faith in Jesus alone will be one with him. There will be unhindered fellowship with him. We know from Revelation 22, verse 5, that night will be no more. They will need no, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign <clears throat> forever and ever. The light of the world will replace the sun. The radiance of his glory will be our light. During the, the Advent season, we can both reflect on the first coming of the light of the world and also anticipate the second coming and the final coming of the Lord. So we should be filled with hope and joy, not only that he has come to rescue us from sin and death for the first time, but that our Lord, the light of the world, he is coming back again. And when he does, he will make all things right. He will be, the, the, the radiance of his glory will be our light. We will be one with him. We will have unhindered fellowship with him forever. And so may we be filled with hope that he has come and he is coming again. The word of God, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. He was born of the Virgin Mary by way of the Holy Spirit, and he eventually grew up. And as he did so, he lived a sinless life. He perfectly fulfilled the law, and he overcame darkness once and for all. There is not an ounce of darkness whatsoever in Jesus. He is perfect in every single way. And his sacrifice on the cross was a perfect sacrifice. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. He is the resurrection and the life. Friend, again, if you have yet to believe in the light of the world, that the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, and I urge you to do that. Stop running, stop hiding in the darkness, and let your darkness be unveiled, that the light of the world might shine on it, might help you to see your need for a Savior, and that, that he would give you hope. Hope in the fact that he bore your sin on the cross, and he bore your shame, and there's forgiveness, full forgiveness, past, present, and future sins, because of the work of Jesus Christ alone. So turn from your sin. Turn from the darkness and turn to the light. Fellow brothers and sisters, let's praise God this Advent season that the true light came into the world to overcome darkness. Let's help one another walk in the light and let's let our light shine before others so that they would see the glory of God. And let's wait expectantly and with hope that one day the light of the world will come again and he will make all things right, and we will be with him forever, worshiping him in glory. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you are the light in this dark world. You are the hope in this, this world. 
you have lived a sinless life. You have died in our place on the cross. You have overcome the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome you. You were the source of life, not only created life, but also spiritual life. You are the resurrection and the life. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through you. Oh God, we thank you for this life, life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We thank you that you were born of the Virgin by the way of the Holy Spirit, that you might make the way for life. Lord, for my friends in here in this room this evening or this morning who have yet to believe in you, oh God, would you humble them? Would you humble them and help them to see that the darkness doesn't satisfy? The darkness leads to despair, hopelessness, death, and that it is a gracious thing for your light to shine on their sin to uncover it, to make it visible so that they might see how, how, how they've rebelled against you and how they need a savior, how you made a way, the way for salvation. Oh God, would you grant them faith to repent and believe, to, to run from the darkness and turn to the light. Lord, we thank you for my brothers and sisters Thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us from the darkness to the light. Lord, help us to be faithful to walk in the light. Help us to pursue holiness. And Lord, help us to to walk alongside each other, to help one another in that. Help us to bear with one another in love. Help us to be patient with one another. Help us to to, to, to honor you in the way that we relate to one another. Help us to honor you in the way in which we live. And Lord, help your church, your bride, to be your light. Help us to display and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying and dark world around us. And Lord, would you use us mightily so that sinners would be saved and brought into your fold for your glory. And Lord, we long for your second advent, your final advent, where we will have unhindered relationship with you forever. But until that day, Lord, help us to walk in, walk in and shine the light for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.